0: not saying anything because I think we should normalize silence you don't have to have noise all the time man if you could be quiet long enough the Lord just might say something to you he might lead God and direct you by by his Holy Spirit but we're distracted most of the time can we just sit in the moment for a second I believe God's speaking to some people this morning. God, thank you for your presence. I thank you for the opportunity to feel you as well as know you. I thank you that it doesn't have to be worked up It doesn't have to be hyped up. You respond to the praises of your people. I thank you that in the midst of all the noise that's going on inside our own lives, Lord, that your still, small voice is louder than anything else. And I thank you for what you're doing inside the hearts and the lives of your children this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated I'm going to talk to you this morning about the subject family matters. And I'll just tell you this if families matter to God, then they have to matter to us. And the church said, Amen. And if families matter to God and they matter to us, then we have to talk about matters of the family. And the church said, amen. Amen. I want to tell you this, this. This time last year, I got really fired up about the gospel, the good news of the gospel message. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 tells us what the, what the gospel message is. It says that the power, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. Like all you need is to know that Jesus has died on the cross for your sins. And because of him paying that price, you don't have to spend an eternity away from him. As a matter of fact, you can spend an eternity with him. That's the good news of the gospel. I mean, I had students sharing that on Wednesdays. I've had students share that from this pulpit on a Sunday morning. I've had students uh, and leaders, uh, you know, share that. I just had this renewed sense of the gospel message and I got really, really fired up about it. And I just feel in this moment that the the Lord's prompting me uh, to remind myself and remind us inside this room that it's hard to hear the gospel message when your stomach's growling because you're hungry. It's hard to hear the good news of the gospel message when you're pregnant and you don't know uh, how you're going to take care of the child. The gospel message is still powerful. The gospel message still saves. The gospel message is still uh, salvation for those who are first lost, but they can't hear it over their life circumstances. Amen? That, that matters of the family that, that, that families are going through, if we want to give them the hope of the gospel, then somehow, way, we got to be able to meet some of those needs so that they can hear. Can't hear over the chaos. Can't hear over the, the noise. Can't hear over, hey, my marriage is about to end. I, I get it. I should come to church. But, 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 but if we, if I, don't, if I don't go to my job today... I won't be able to pay my bills. So maybe I can catch it on YouTube afterward, but, but I, I, there, there are other things that are happening. James chapter one and verse 22 says this. Be, but be doers of the word. Everybody say doers. doers. And not hearers only. Everybody say hearers. Doers. Deceiving yourselves. I'm talking to Philip here. If, if it catches some of y'all, then great. But I know Philip enjoys hearing the message of the gospel. Man, I love hearing people sing songs of worship and praise. As a matter of fact, Philip might get his dance on. He, he might, uh, you know, shout, rock, back and forth with it he, he 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 enjoys hearing his pastor uh share the good news of the gospel because he knows that pastor at any point in time may pull him up on stage or pull somebody else up on stage and it, it, it's enjoyable to hear the good news of the message he uses the screens uh, he has all kinds of pictures it's it's easy it's awesome it makes us feel good to hear the message of the gospel but that is a lazy form of discipleship, just hearing. As a matter of fact, Scripture says that if you just hear, you're deceiving yourself. And I've been inside church. I feel good. I got a good cry. Man, church was awesome today. What have you done? Not nothing, just be in the presence of the Lord. I'm just sitting in his presence, you know, having him speak to me. But what, what? what, what has the Lord spoke to you anything? Yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to be serving in all kinds of ministries, but I'm just... <laughs> just, just laying back in, in, in the presence of the Lord. They won't be able to hear the good news of the gospel unless you do what God's already called you to do. Amen. So uh, several weeks ago, I went on this journey and I thought, hey, I really want to do two things during the holidays. I want to fulfill what James chapter one and verse 27, it says a little bit later in this chapter, religion that God, our father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to take care of orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So I wanted to do something for widows and want to do something for orphans. So last month uh, we wrote letters on Wednesday night to the widows and the widowers inside our church. There's 68 on that list. If you did not receive a letter from, from the youth department this last month, either we don't have your address or you're not on our list. So you need to change that at the end of service. Amen? Secondly, I knew I wanted to do something for what would be considered our our orphans, foster families inside our area. And I reached out to some community partners and leaders, and really all I wanted them to do was just talk to me and tell me about like, hey, what could the church do? If I got 300 people who show up on a Sunday morning, I got another several hundred who are watching online and I could put you in in front of the people. I could preach sort of your message, what y'all are doing. What what could the church do? And all three of them said, I'll do you one better. I'll show up and tell you what you could do because you might change your mind. So when, what date is it? Sunday, December the 4th. So, I have uh, some special friends I'm going to be inviting up on the stage in just a moment. And they're all going to give you some opportunities to do what I believe the Holy Spirit's already been urging some of y'all to do. Amen? I'm confirming today. They're going to get an opportunity to confirm today What most of you have already been hearing from the Spirit, like, I gotta do something. I don't know what to do though. These people got a laundry list for you. Amen. There's three parts, three things that I'm gonna uh, talk to you about today. It exists inside all societies authority, love, and obedience. And I'm going to talk about a different member of the family alongside each and every one of those. I'm going to talk about uh, the, the, the man or the, the male authority. And don't be jumping on me, feminists. I believe that there are some women in authority, but typically inside culture, when you think about authority, people think about males. Don't shoot me. And, and the reason why people are afraid of Good biblical headship is because people have misused it. But good biblical headship is good biblical life. Amen. <laughs> Secondly, uh, uh, love and 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 specifically, uh, you know, like a like female mother's love, and men can do it. We nurture. Rock a baby, but typically inside culture, when you think about love, you, oh, it's like man, I, I, I want a woman taking care of my kid. You, you, you have a if you were honest with yourself, you have a natural lean toward that, and I believe that's. I don't have my Bible up here, but that's in there. Amen. And and thirdly, there's there's this member of the family that's just this wild card. The obedience of children, or the lack thereof, wherever you're at in life. <laughs> the Lord's going to help you. So, the first thing I want to talk about is authority. From the womb, we're knowing and understanding authority. I guarantee you, those precious little babies, as I was practicing through the message last night, I was thinking about little, little trotter babies. You know what? Ain't nobody got to teach them how to say no. They came out the box ready with no and crying built in on the inside of them. You know what they will be spending the next 18 plus years of their life doing? Trying to teach them authority and how to say yes. We come equipped with a no. But authority is a good thing. Romans chapter 13 says we have to be subject to governing authorities. The only reason I'm standing here today is because pastor has allowed me under his authority to be able to speak to you. The, 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 authority's a good thing. Getting fired up. My, my words are coming. You just ain't listening fast enough. And so I thought it'd be neat to have somebody of authority inside our community be able to speak to us about hey how could we do the word what are what what are uh, some of the things that, that that families that that people are uh, are going through or struggling with and so I reach out to judge Henry Allred and and I go through the spill with him I'm like man it'd be great if you could just tell me some things maybe write something down I would love if you would just shoot a video what day is it I can come what? Shoot, man. Well, come on in. Would y'all give a hand to uh, Judge Henry uh, Allred?
1: Thank you, Pastor Phillip. Uh, All right, I'm going to go ahead and warn everybody. I do a lot of public speaking, but because I'm a judge, I literally am usually speaking to a captive audience. <laughs> They've got to listen to me. They don't have any choice, but... Uh, Very excited to be here with you today, and I'm going to be very practical instead of anecdotal. Uh, Now, I'm going to hang around after the service, so if anybody wants to come up and and ask me anything. But I could come back another time and talk to y'all for two hours and tell you a bunch of funny stories and a bunch of sad stories, but that's not what we're here about today. Uh, I do want to mention my family is here, back there, and... uh, Coach Trotter will recognize one of them uh, because he takes care of my youngest daughter every day. But a little background on me. I am the uh, district criminal judge, which means I am the first guy other than the police officer that makes the arrest to see everybody that gets arrested in Walker County. And uh, I have to, you know, explain to them why they got arrested Uh, set them a bond, talk to them about getting a lawyer. But for our purposes today, what's important about that is I have the privilege, burden, however you want to say it, of seeing some people who are very broken. And I have my duties that I have to, to, to do under the law, but if I have any compassion, I also can use... The authority that I have to try to help those people or maybe encourage them to get on a different path. Now, some people humorously call that a nudge from the judge. Uh, but practically, what we do, you know, obviously, I see a lot of people who are mired in addiction. And the best way that I have seen over the last 14 years to get somebody out of any kind of behavioral problem that they have is through accountability. So sometimes people get bonds, and they're not able to make those bonds. And they have to sit in jail, and jail can be a real good motivator. And if we can get those people into some kind of rehabilitation program, that a lot of times is the best way for them to get the accountability that they need to defeat that addiction. And I'm going to tell you, you know, beating addiction, that's not something you can buy you got to rent it, and the rent comes due every day. But, uh, you know, this congregation should be very proud because y'all have a program called City of Lights. (laughs) I've sent people to hundreds of rehabs across this state, and I've visited a lot of those rehabs, and I don't know of one that's doing it better than City of Lights. And they're doing it better, folks, because they're, they're checking all the boxes. They are, they're uh, doing counseling to help with addiction. There's accountability. There's, there's group meetings. There's mentor meetings. There's employment opportunities. There's child care. Because when somebody's mired in addiction, folks, addiction's a thief. It steals everything. So if you're in this congregation... And, and you support that ministry, you're already on the right track, okay? But, but let me just very practically tell you some of the things you can do to help people who are struggling with addiction in Walker County. I mentioned sending people to rehab. A lot of times there is an initial uh, fee associated with that. They kind of have to pay uh, an entrance fee, and then they go to work, and, and they're able to work that on, out on their own, but that can be a couple of hundred dollars, that can be real hard for a family to come up with. Uh, so maybe you're somebody that can, that can write a check. And that's, that's one step. And, and praise the Lord if that's who you are. We all have different gifts. Maybe you're somebody that can be a mentor to somebody that's struggling with addiction. Maybe you're somebody that likes to drive around and you can get people where they need to be. You can provide transportation. Uh, or maybe you're somebody that, that owns a business and you can provide somebody with an employment opportunity in a drug-free environment. So those are just a few things you can do. And like I said, I'll be around afterwards. I want to shift gears to the other hat that I wear. Um, I, I'm the juvenile court judge, which means I deal with anything involving children in Walker County. And one of the areas that I that I really want to hit on today, and you're going to hear for from some more people about this is the area of DHR custody cases. Uh, Those are referred to as dependency cases. But, you know, that's just what it sounds like. Uh, DHR has investigated, found some children that are not in a safe situation, and they have come to me and asked me to take those children away, to use my authority to take those children away and put them in a safe place. Well, when that happens, Uh, What the DHR caseworker has to do is they either have to find a family member that is suitable, that can be hard, or they have to place those children in foster care. Now, I think because I spent some time with our DHR director, who you're going to hear from, I think we have about 46 foster families in Walker County. We probably need 246 uh, because the numbers have exploded. And and we'll talk about why that is some other time. But bottom line, we have a lot of kids that need somebody that can take care of them, keep them safe, while we work with those parents to try to get them in a position where they can take it back over. Now, that's a tough ask, folks. I'm going to be honest with you. I've said this a lot. There's nothing that we ask anybody to do that's any harder than being a foster parent. And I, I would advise anybody that's thinking about it, Bathe that, cover that in prayer, because that can be really tough. But if you're somebody that has that heart, I would encourage you to, to listen to some of the other ladies we're going to have talk this morning. Uh, the biggest thing, uh, the biggest, most practical thing I can tell you all is, you know, be open-minded, be, be receptive to God's call, because we do all have different gifts and, uh, you know, the, the smallest act is better than the greatest intention. So whatever you can do to pour into somebody's life, it may just be praying for them. It may be picking up the phone and calling them. It may be buying diapers. It may be buying toys at Christmas. Like I said, it may be giving somebody a job that needs a job in a drug-free environment. But whatever you can do, don't be resistant to God's call in your life to help those people, and thank you very much for having me here today. And God bless you all.
0: I'm gonna let these folks really um, try to focus in on uh, the, the the practical side of things, and I wanna I wanna encourage you from Scripture and try to connect with your heart. I told you that as a part of that authority, uh, um, sort of subline, uh, there, I, I really felt impressed at the Family Ministries Pastor. I talked with Pastor uh, about this at, at staff meeting uh, this uh, this just this past week. I said I really want to challenge men inside our church, and here's where I finally settled in at uh, sort of the uh, the line from Scripture is that men need to exhibit, here's my challenge, Galatians chapter five, that last fruit of the spirit. If men would exhibit self-control, their authority inside that self-control could shut down some things. Think about this. Most violent crimes are committed by males. If men had some self-control, You could shut that thing down. Pornography is viewed by females, but let me tell you who keeps pornography here inside this nation. Men who have lost self-control. We could shut down the industry today. One of the best, most practical ways that Scripture talks to us about how we can exhibit self-control is fasting. And so pastor's going to give you some more information over the next several weeks about uh, some, some, some fasting for our entire church. But I challenge each and every man, there's something about our authority as men that can change a culture. They talk about the statistics of a kid gets saved, if a, a, a mama gets saved, or if the daddy professes his faith in Jesus. The numbers go up astronomical because a man inside the house, has submitted his life unto Jesus Christ and is exhibiting all the fruits of the Spirit. Amen. Secondly, we know that we need to experience love. Let me tell you what happens a lot with uh, some of our women, and that's going to bring our next guest on stage, is that they find themselves in a bad situation. Maybe you're a student in a youth ministry, or uh, uh, you know you've just figured out—you uh, uh, know—life is, is sort of happening to you, and you find out that you're pregnant, and and you want to come to church, you, you want to you know do all the stuff, but you are concerned about things that are happening and and going on in inside life, and you can't hear the good news of the gospel over all your needs. There has to be people who are doing the work of scripture, who are saying yes to Jesus and no to their own flesh so that some of the women in our area can hear the good news of the gospel. Amen. Jenny Odom is coming to join me on stage. Um, Some of you will recognize that last name, a son of this church, Jim Odom. Uh, This is his wife. And so Ms. Jenny is the Executive Director of the Pregnancy Test and Resource Center in Jasper. She's gonna give you some, 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 some doer things. Here's how you can help women uh, in our area.
2: Thank you. I told Philip I have my notes because I could talk all day about what we do. Um, Thank y'all so much for having me this morning. I know a lot of y'all may know what we do at the Pregnancy Center, but there's always people that have never even heard of us, Um, so I want to take just a few minutes just to tell you what we do. We are a ministry. We're located in downtown Jasper. Um, We offer free pregnancy testing, ultrasound prenatal and parenting classes, and we have a closed closet, and we primarily serve parents who are facing an unplanned pregnancy. Um, We offer all of those services at our main center in Jasper, but if you have ever seen a big pink and blue RV rolling down the highway, that is us. We are hard to miss, um, but we serve with our mobile unit, Walker, Winston, and Marion Counties right now. Really, we serve anybody from anywhere that has a need. There's no, like, certain geographical area we serve. Anyone that has a need that we can meet, we're here for them. Um, This year, we have seen over 900 visits already. Um, Last year, we had 650. So that tells you how the needs have increased. Um, Most of these are mom. Many of them are dads, but most of them are single moms and you know them. They're our friends. They're our neighbors. There are people you see at the grocery store. Um, we serve all of us, our community. And we know as Christians that there is hope for any obstacle that we face. Um, we know that we aren't alone, especially if we have a relationship with Christ. But so many of these moms, they don't see that. They don't know that. As Philip said, um, they have a lot of obstacles that they're facing and actually they may have been told that there's no hope for them, um, that they've messed up too much, that their obstacles are too big for them to overcome. On top of that, um, they don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. They feel like they don't have help. And sometimes they don't have, a lot of times, they don't have a support system when they find out that they're pregnant. So just imagine that you feel like you're drowning with all of those things. It could be you're homeless. It could be addiction. It could be that you have no transportation. And then you find out you're pregnant. That is, that is a lot. Um, it feels hopeless, but that's why we're here. So we, don't, we say that we aren't just pro-life, we're pro-abundant life. No matter what they've done, what their situation is, we're here to help them figure out what their next steps are um, and to share with them that God wants an abundant life for them, uh, that he loves them, he cares about them. No matter what their past is, up until that moment, that can change. So we're there to minister to what what they see is their most important needs, not just what we see, because we could tell them all day what we think they need to do. But when they come to us and we ask them, what do you feel like is important? We want to be able to meet those needs so that then when we share with them how they can have a relationship with Jesus, they believe us, they trust us, and they can hear us in that. So whether it's helping them get connected to insurance, prenatal care, um, teaching them how to care for themselves, for their child, providing baby items, connecting them to other resources in the community, like City of Lights that may not be something we can directly help with, but we know other people that can. we know that they can't take care of themselves if they can't take care of their child and they can't provide a good foundation or a loving supportive home and a safe home for that child unless they can get some of those obstacles addressed so that's a lot to handle by themselves but luckily they don't have to that's where we come in And that's where y'all come in. There's all kinds of immediate needs. Um, So I just want to share just a few ways. You know, the Lord may be leading you with certain gifts, certain talents that you have that you feel like, hey, this is how I can help. Um, We are open to any ideas. Um, First, you can pray. I can't tell you how many mamas we have sitting in front of us and dads when we say, hey, how can we pray for you? They may have never had anyone ask them that. Um, When we say, hey, we have people that are praying for you, that is such a difference to them to know, oh, it's not just these ladies at the center, these men that come in at the center that are praying. There are other people praying for me. That's a game changer for them. Secondly, you can give baby items. Our clothes closet can serve, um, we can help with items from preemie up to size 2T. They're newer, gently used. You may have kids that have outgrown certain items. Formula, baby food you have laying around that you're not going to use. You can donate those to us. Bigger items, strollers, um, you know, pack and plays, those types of things. We can take those off your hands and pass them on to some of our mamas. You can volunteer. You may not have a lot of time to give, but we are always in need of people to join our outreach team. Those are people that go and help us at community events, help us get our newsletter out there, just help us spread the word about what we do. Um, We are a nonprofit, so we don't have a lot of money to do towards advertising. So word of mouth is the best way people hear about us. Lastly, you can give financially. And there's a lot of ways you can do this, truly. um, We have something called our Baby Bottle bearing. I'll tell you about every penny counts. Um, It can go a long way. We operate primarily on the gifts from individuals, churches, businesses. We have some that will give one-time gifts. We have some that give monthly so we can prepare ahead each month how we can best serve. You can sponsor a mom or a dad or a couple that's going to our parenting program or our baby boot camps. Each of these couples earn a huge box of baby items, a new car seat, a pack and play. Um, It's $250 worth of stuff. I actually have a list at our table out there. We can give you the list. You can come together with some friends, small groups to get the actual items to donate, or you can donate towards sponsoring one of these moms and dads. Um, that's a wonderful way. Um, we have been able to double the number of parents we've been serving um, just because there's been such a need, but of people that have sponsored these these parents going through this program. We also have, um, you'll see at our table, we call it the baby bottle boomerang, and it is the easiest way to give. We provide the bottles. You fill it up with change, checks, cash, however you feel led, and you turn them back in. We've been able to raise over $10,000 just with that, and that goes towards baby items. So that is super easy. Um, When I say every penny counts, that's what I mean. It adds up over time for sure. Lastly, we something that we have not, we're just now telling people about that. Um, y'all can help us pray about, you can give towards. We are actively working towards purchasing a new building. That will double our space. It will double um, the number of medical rooms, counseling rooms, the size of our clothes closet. We will have space to offer new support groups. Um, So all kinds of things. We're super excited about that. So when I say every dollar counts, it does. That helps us reach that goal so that we can continue to meet that need um, with how our services have grown. So if you feel led to help us in any of those ways, I'll be glad to answer any questions. know anybody that has a need, tell them to call us. That is why we're here. Like I said, word of mouth is how people hear about us. But if they don't know that we're here to help them, they'll continue to feel hopeless and continue to know there's not support. There's not people um, that love them and are here to help them. So tell everybody about us. Um, We're just here to serve and we're glad to help. Thank y'all.
0: You know, I was reading an article as I was preparing, getting ready for uh, this this message, and it was actually from Psychology Today. It's not a, um, a a Christian publication by any means, but it talked about the way the primary way that people receive love is to actually give love. And I thought, man, that's so interesting that even psychologists agree with what the Word of God says that the very way that we exhibit the love that we've experienced is that we give it. We actually step outside of ourselves and and we give it. But it is the most difficult ask, or at least one of the most difficult ask that the Bible has, to love those who don't normally think like you or act like you or look like you or that frustrates you and that you'd rather slap in the face. But but to extend yourself past that, and so... uh, um, I feel like my encouragement here, and this is not just to, to, to mamas, but it comes from, from a mama. Um, one thing I hear Pastor Kelly say a lot is that it's hard to hate up close. L- let that sink in real quick. It's hard to hate up close. You, you want to know how you can best love those around you? Get around them. Get around them. Because it's hard to hate up close. Comes from the mama of our church. Come on now. I'm going to end up here uh, with, you know, with children. um, And and just sort of that that obedience factor. It it really ties into that first uh, um, word that we heard with authority. Uh, but, But the word of God says obedience is better than Sacrifice. There are some things that uh, we try to do with our children um, and we try to force obedience most of the time. Say you're sorry. Say it. Say, say it. Give them a hug. No, say it like you mean it. But that does not come natural to little children Neither does it come natural to big ones either. And the church said, amen. Amen. It's a hard thing to teach and it's a hard thing to do. But God says that better than your sacrifice, I want your obedience. Amen. I want to show you a quick video, and then I'm going to introduce Ginger McGoy. She is the director of DHR here in uh, Walker County, and she's going to talk to you a little bit about how you can be a doer for kids here in Walker County.
2: When it comes to removing a child and putting them into foster home, we know that is the last option. Children enter foster care
3: when they can't safely stay in the home with their parents or caregiver.
2: You know I've been that mom that lost her children. As a mom that's the hardest thing that you can walk through is like not having your kids with you.
3: Every family is different. Every parent has a different issue going on.
4: As we all know we have a huge drug problem here. That is probably one of the biggest things I face with these parents. I was in active addiction and I'd lost everything. So I had shame and guilt of, I knew I could do better. It's
3: methamphetamine, it's heroin, it's other opiates. Children can't safely stay in homes where that kind of substance is being used. So our numbers, even in the midst of a pandemic, have considerably increased. We have roughly 140 children in foster care in Walker County and less than 50 foster homes that are approved. We recently had kids that had to spend the night in DHR because there was nowhere to put them. That's just not the way it should be. Kids should have a home and a bed every night, but you know, it's, it's a crisis in Walker County, but
4: it is a crisis in the state of Alabama. We don't have enough foster homes. Bradley and I decided to be foster parents because we had been trying to grow our family for about a year and a half. We weren't getting anywhere in the conventional way, so we decided that we had the ability to open our home and help other children and families, so we felt that it was the time to do that. I think it's important for
2: um, birth moms, you know, birth families, just to feel that the goal is for the family to be back with their children. The goal is always reunification, to reunify those children back into the home, but to make the home obviously healthy and safe for that child to return.
3: A lot of people think that we're just gonna drop children off at their homes when they become foster parents. We don't. Foster parents are always in control of that, who they're willing to accept, who they can take, who they can't. Also, there's that misconception that we just come back
4: and snatch kids up, and that's not true either. There's a process to all of that. It's not a surprise. I believe the hesitation to open the homes has to do with the connection. Everyone says, oh, I don't know if I could be a foster parent because I would be too attached. It's kind of the point. You want to be attached to those children because there are children that are gonna come into your home that have never had that secure, safe attachment to anyone. So you want them to be able to learn how to connect and make those attachments to people in a healthy way. Those are the kind of people I need. If you're afraid you're gonna get too attached, I want you um, because we
3: can help you through that. And where the real fear should be that there's a child that has to spend the night at my office tonight rather than have a home or a person to potentially attach to them and love them. There's a lot of things you think I can't do this or I can't do that, I don't have talents in that, but fostering is something that we can do. They think they've got to have it all together, that there's some level of perfection that we're looking for. And that's not what we're looking for at all. We're looking for people just like me and you, people who care about children and care about our communities and want to make a difference.
1: When a family is reunited, it is the most rewarding occasion. I'll never forget
2: the day that um, I left the courtroom with my daughter. (sighs) And I was able to just take her to get ice cream. (laughs) It sounds silly, but it was hard work, paid off, and it just, there's nothing like it.
4: (laughs) Sorry, guys.
2: What we also hope to see is that continued relationship with that foster parent and that biological family. It doesn't have to be the end. You can have... A lifelong relationship. Healthy human connections make kids thrive, and to
4: see that kind of blossom is, is worth all the heartache if they might leave, and all the tears, but um, I would do it again. We need 70
3: more families in Walker County to adequately serve the children we have in foster care. We need 70 more willing hearts, open homes to take care of the children that we already have so that we can make matches and not just bed space, but actual matches for children to keep them in their community, in the school that they're going to, um, with their friends that they already have. If we could get one foster family from every church in Walker County, we would be able to house every child in this county that needed a placement. I believe that every child deserves a good home. I believe every child deserves a safe place to grow up and to feel loved and to feel safe with the adults that they're with. Good morning. I'm Ginger McGoy. I'm the director at Walker County DHR. Um, that's our wonderful video. If it if it didn't move you a little bit, you may be a little broken. And they, you could probably check them out afterwards. Um, there are so many things that can be done to help us in our child welfare system at the department. Um, you have a foster family here. The best way to learn and to figure out if fostering is something that you can do, it is something you can do, it's something you're called to do, is to spend time with your foster parents that you already know. Um, It's kind of, you can dispel a lot of myths by just talking to the people who already are there answering the call. When I started at DHR eons ago, um, our recruitment tagline was answer the call. Um, and there there was a song that that was part of one of the lyrics and I immediately had to sit down and write it down because it's still so true, we don't use it today, it's open your heart, open your home is our tagline to recruit foster parents, but answering the call, what has the Lord laid on your heart um, to do for children in our community? I don't know of a better population to work with than the kids that we work with and the foster families that we work with, um, supporting them in their efforts. If you can't be a foster parent, if that's not your calling, there are still ways you can help. Um, everybody has said, and I think it's true and probably one of the most powerful things that you can do for us, for my workers, our judges, for the attorneys, for the families and the children is pray for us, uh, make it intentional. Specifically, call us out by our different groups. I can figure out ways to get you a list. You can call us by name. Um, but we need your prayers. We're going out into situations oftentimes that law enforcement's going out to with um, bulletproof vests and guns, and we've got a piece of paper and a pen knocking on those same doors. So for the safety of my workers, I would appreciate that. Um, But then for God's will to follow through in all of the aspects of of how we touch lives. Um, You know, I think we often forget and we we become really human about the situations that we're working god already knows the outcome god knows the situation that these kids are in he knows when we're going to get there and get them out of those situations and he knows the end result he's got to have vessels willing to answer that call to get us there to help restore families um, or to be a permanent family we're about fifty fifty in our numbers in our county 50, about 50% of children return to parents or relatives, and 50% we place in permanent custody, so they're either adopted locally or adopted through um, a big national website. So, you know, it's a 50-50 thing. I think a lot of folks do get really nervous about falling in love with kids and then them going somewhere else, but the part you've got to remember is God already knows that outcome and you've got to trust that perfect plan. It's there. Um, just some small practical things you can do for us. Rally around the foster families that you know. If you don't know any, find some. The Kaufmans can help you figure out other foster families that you can support. Um, rallying around foster families look, can look different for each family, but you can prepare a meal. Um, I want you to think think about a foster parent's typical day, and I have been there when we've called the Kauffmans and. You know, They can go from being a family of just a few to, you know know the kids you have in the morning, and this isn't, it doesn't happen at my house, but sometimes they get phone calls, and by the evening they've gone from a family of two to a family of seven. Um, I don't plan like that when I fix dinner, or even get things laid out to fix dinner. So prepare a meal. I was thinking we could have an SOS team. We like to do teams. Um, When we have children come into care, let a team of nice ladies, a casserole together and take it to that foster family man that takes some of the stress off those are small things but they're big things They make a huge difference Um, babysit become extended family members for a foster family they need extra support just like the families the birth families we work with foster families need that support too and i think we're finally beginning to recognize that more with the state and i'm proud of that other things that you know may not be as close-knit of what you can do, um, birthday cards for foster children, birthday gift cards for foster children, uh, maybe if you have the talent of baking, birthday cakes for foster kids. Birthdays are a big thing. I think when we think of our natural families, we just assume everybody does it like us. But I've never worked with so many children who've never had a birthday party, and that's heartbreaking, guys. We should celebrate birthdays. Um, so those are th- some small things. Even a little smaller than that, if you just want to kind of be on the outskirts of it, there's always a way to serve, and you don't have to always put your heart out there. We wish you would, but you don't have to. Um, break money for children that we have in foster care. Lunches are provided for our children. Break is a time where kids often get even more set apart um, when they don't have what everybody else has, and I've heard that from about five different kids this year, how noticeable they- it is when they don't have money to just get break, get a a snack at break. And that's heartbreaking. Um, You can also volunteer to mentor kids and youth that we work with. There is a vetting process for everything that we do, and there should be. To be a foster parent, there's a pretty lengthy and extensive training process, but we need committed people, people who will commit to do those things. But to volunteer with us, it's a different process. The main thing is connect. Um, We'll be out in the Call when all this is over you can give us your email address and and phone numbers and we will not harass you too much but shoot you some emails of some upcoming ways that you can line up with us at dhr and see where you fit in or if you have ideas um, we definitely don't have all the answers and we need help with that so if you have ideas of things that we could do or things that you know about or things you're interested in um, we're glad to hear it and see what we can do i appreciate your time and um
0: Think about it and answer that call. Thank you. I'm going to end uh, right here, but, 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 but lastly, I want to just encourage you uh, with obedience. You know, we talk about, you know, sort of teaching that to our kids, but it's, it's something that's very difficult for uh, even us as adults also to obey to answer the call of what the Lord is already moving and doing inside our life. And my encouragement for you uh, today is there's some of you who are ready to answer the call and really you just needed the nudge today. I believe some of you are gonna uh, ask Pastor Jeremy Hall downstairs, hey, how? you know what? I, I've been knowing that I need to sign up for kids ministry. Where do you need me? I believe some of y'all are gonna find a handsome dressed man that <clears throat> does, does youth ministry around here and you're going to say, you know what? I just, I just feel the call of God. to I, I, I got to help with youth ministry. Yes, you do. Some of you may be in a, a position right now uh, that's uh, similar to uh, what Bob's doing right now. Uh, you know, I asked Bob last week, and I hope this is okay to share this story. He's a pretty open book. Uh, but I asked him last Sunday, I said, hey, would you mind to stand up and, you know, kind of do the welcome? Um, and he said, yes, of course. Uh, and then later on that, that Sunday morning, Bob responded to the altar call, and uh, I just kind of leaned over in his ear, and I said, Hey, Bob, what you praying about today? And he said, Philip, I just don't feel like I know my place. I don't know where I fit uh, anymore. He's done youth ministry for for years. He's been involved in music ministry uh, for for years. And I just encouraged him, and I said, you know, Bob, you're right now, he's, he's a foster family, you're right now doing a ministry that's behind the scenes. And, and, and maybe nobody sees it. And, and, and you've been used to doing stuff where people can, can see you. But isn't it just like God to prompt me to remind you that he sees you exactly where you are. In the back fields, tending sheep, doing what you're supposed to be doing. And God is going to bring you out front when it's time. So some of you are at a time where you're obeying the Lord, but you feel like, man, I don't even know if I'm, I don't even know if I'm doing it right. Just keep, keep obeying. And this may be behind the scenes right now. And lastly, you know, I, I have felt like uh, for a long time, I wanted to do something. And by way of foster care ministry, uh, some of you don't know this, but before me and Nicole were here, uh, we served at a place in our denomination called the Smoky Mountain Home for Children. And we took care of teenage boys uh, inside our house. And it was probably one of the best times in ministry. Obviously, I'm enjoying my time here now, but it was it was a really, really great time of ministry uh, for a whole lot of other reasons. And I realized then, that some people are born with two strikes against them. They didn't grow up like I grew up. They just they didn't have the support. They 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 needed some help. And um I didn't know how I could do that here. My I mean, we have a 3 bedroom, 2 bath house. My girls currently share a bed like I don't have an extra bed to to, to have somebody, but I, I I can start where I can. And do what I can right where I am. So I may not can foster right now. But I can bring the director of foster care up here to have her talk. You know what I'm saying? I can't, you know, do maybe everything. But I can have a foster parents day out, which I'm doing today from 1 to 5 p.m. if you want to serve and help and be a part of that. We're going to be down at the Life Center from 1 to 5 just giving these foster parents a day away. What are you going to do tomorrow? I don't know about tomorrow but today I can do something. Okay? Always like to say this. I know, uh, you know, things are a little bit wonky, you know, there's people coming in and out, you know, it's not maybe the, uh, ha, ha, hmm, you know, type of message that, uh, that, that you were expecting and looking for this morning. But Proverbs is sort of, uh, the old Testament book that James is in the new Testament. And I hope for some of you this morning that you will say yes to what the Holy spirit is prompting you to do. And no to all the excuses. That you will be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Amen. Pastor.
5: I want to encourage you today as we close to do more than just talk. I was sitting there thinking. Many times we want to talk and we talk about it, but we don't want to touch. And if we, could, if we can touch folks in just some small way, they will so be so much more willing to hear what we're saying. When, I, when, when my daughter was little, Sarah, uh, I would hold her in my lap or in my arms and uh, if just for a second I glanced away while she was talking, she would take both of her hands and she would pull my face back to hers to make sure that I heard what she had to say. And I thought, you know, we're so willing to talk, but many times we don't take that next step and touch. And and there are so many times when we're willing to talk and we want someone else to touch for us. And God said, no, I'm speaking to you. I'm talking to you. The word tells us in Isaiah 9 that the people walked in great darkness, but they have seen a marvelous light. And that there's a time when the darkness will end. As a matter of fact, that word says, but the time is coming when. And so maybe today's your when. Maybe this week is your when. Maybe this is the time when you can really touch someone else's life. If you'll take time to touch someone, they'll be a whole lot more willing to hear what you're trying to say. And uh, God's faithful. He loves us today. And he did that for us. He said, a child is coming. A son is given. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. A time is coming when. And you can be that for a child. You can be that for a family. You can be that for someone else. Stand with me this morning. Kelly and I, if we've not met you, we would love to meet you. I think it was just this week Pastor Phillip shared with me that someone was in his office that wanted to start working with our youth ministry our student ministry so it's already happening and we're glad about that if you want to serve in some capacity we would we would love to sit down and talk to you and open our arms to you and pray with you and embrace you kelly and i should be out front this morning and we hope to meet you talk to you greet you there father i love you i thank you today for your faithfulness I pray that if there is one individual here that's been caught up in darkness, that that great light of Isaiah 9 would become so relevant in their lives. I pray, God, today that you would cause the darkness to cease. There is. The- a place and a time when, when the darkness ceases and, and we're open to the light. God, you said not only that, in that light would come great joy. And you talk about festival joy. I want festival joy in my life. And, and many times, God, we think we have that all figured out. But we can have festival joy when we when we touch someone else's life and minister to someone else. I pray, God, if there's one person here today who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they would simply pray this prayer right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that you're the son of the living God and I ask you to forgive every sin, every messed up mistake in my life. Turn my heart toward you. Live inside me. Live through my life that I might touch others and win someone else to Jesus as well. God, we pray and ask all these things today and we celebrate this great season of giving in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go.